Hello and welcome to another episode of my terrible podcast from Too Old to Tumble. In this episode, I want to talk to you about stress and what it does to your body, to your mind and to your spirit. Um, one of the biggest parts of the work that I do with my fitness clients is identifying situations in their lifestyle that cause them to become stressed. We all have our own triggers and once we've identified them, we can start dealing with them. And although I'm not going to go into too many fat loss strategies as such in this episode, I'm just going to borrow some of the guide, guiding pr- principles sorry, for fat loss to help you understand what stress does to your body and how it can actually affect your ability to think clearly and to stay positive as you go through life. And that's important for you to be able to make good decisions about anything. So I often come across people who are on a fitness journey of some sort and they swear that they're doing everything right but they're not seeing the results they want. And yes, they might be even doing all the right things for them. They might be eating right, they might be exercising in the right amount, doing the correct modalities for them and be consistent even. But what they fail to take into account is how stress can actually throw a huge spanner in the works. And this is why. So humans have evolved with the ability to deal effectively with acute stress. Um, So if you think about the good old hunter-gatherer societies from prehistorical times, people would walk around all day looking for food and they would sprint into intense action to either catch a prey or to avoid becoming one. But these would be short sprints. Not to mention that they had to fight off intruders threatening the survival of the progeny. Uh, Even to this day, our physiology is still connected to the reality of our ancestors. And although the stresses that we have to deal with in modern society are different, and just think about deadlines at work, uh, you know, traffic jams, people being complete arseholes and all that kind of stuff, the way in which our metabolism responds to these situations, which are nothing like being chased by a lion, that hasn't changed much over the millennia. And this is why stress is such a big problem for us in modern times. So when we find ourselves in a stressful situation, what happens is that our brain sends out messages to the hypothalamus the pituitary gland and the adrenal glands to deal with the perceived threat. So in a fraction of a second, the adrenal glands will flood the the body with stress hormones like adrenaline or adrenaline and cortisol. These hormones help us release extra energy to deal with the immediate threat, whether this involves fighting to the death or running away as fast as we can. If you want to see a visual representation of the flight or fight response, there will be a link in the description for this episode to a video. Um, It's about 4 or 15 minutes long or maybe longer, but uh, if you skip to about 13 minutes and 15 seconds, you can see a good visual representation of how stress um, works with your body. it's a video about Krav Maga, so if you, if, you, if you enjoy Krav Maga, you can watch the whole thing. But it gives a very good visual 
explanation of how this mechanism, this stress mechanism works for us. It's truly enlightening. And so going back to our situation in modern days, we hardly ever have to deal with physical threats like a pack of wolves jumping out from behind the wheelie beans. But instead, when we get stressed over an impending deadline at work, we just sit there working away at our desk while the body is flooded with stress hormones ready for intense action. And every organ contributes towards preparing us for survival. And as a result, stress would cause us to burn extra sugar, fat and even muscle if we either fight or run away. When we don't do that and we just sit there and just push through this stressful situation at work, sitting down on our asses and stressful events, because you don't just have one deadline, you have one deadline after the other. So when these stressful events are both recurrent and prolonged, stress causes us to burn muscle over fat for energy. It also prevents us from releasing testosterone and human growth hormone into the bloodstream, both needed for growth and repair of damaged tissues after the stressful event. These two hormones also send a message back to the adrenal glands that the danger is now passed and they can now stop releasing stress hormones and switch to a recovery state instead. So the adrenal glands never get this message, so they keep on releasing stress hormones. And if we don't engage in intense activities in response to stress or relaxing ones, the adrenal glands don't get the message and stress becomes chronic. So although you should never look at any hormones in isolation, because they always work, they're always part of a whole and they always work together as a team. For the purpose of explaining how stress can have an impact on your behavior, we will look at cortisol um, as if it was working on its own. It doesn't. But as this is one of the major stress hormones and the one that gets blamed the most for your fat loss failures. So the actions of cortisol are beyond your awareness. So, however, the biggest impact that too much cortisol in the bloodstream for too long has is in the way it affects hunger and cravings. So this effect can also be linked back to our ancestors and how they used to deal with, with danger. So too much cortisol will cause you to feel less hunger in the short term, but at the same time increase cravings for high energy foods at a later time. Uh, think of it in terms of your ancestors always leaving the relative safety of their caves or their nests, whatever you want to call them, to go and fetch food. If on their hunting trip there is coming across lions, it would make sense to go on a hunt fewer times to reduce the risk of becoming food and refuel less often with high energy food. Now, this life, this life preserving mechanism when stress becomes chronic, has unwanted consequences for our brain chemistry, leading to depression, anxiety, lack of motivation, and a strong desire for high palatable food. And hello, emotional eating. Hello, PTSD. Hello, emotional eating. Here we are. And if you're a woman listening to this, 
and most of my listeners are, it gets slightly worse because chronic stress also affects the release of reproduction hormones, which are your friends if you want to procreate and or stay lean on trim. And it's bad news when you reach perimenopause or the menopause because from then onwards you have less of the uh, female hormones, the reproduction hormones, your estrogen and your, pro your progesterone. And therefore you are more prone to stress. It's a lot harder to fight off stress, chronic stress, as you get older. And that's the reason why a lot of the time you hear, if you, go, if you hang around groups, Facebook groups or something, that are all where women get together to discuss the menopause, the giant fucking pity parties about the menopause, women are all saying, I never, I never had stress and anxiety and panic attacks until I started with the menopause. That's exactly why. Because you no longer have, or you have less, gradually less of these reproduction hormones, and therefore you are a complete victim to stress because you are so bloody vulnerable. You just need to find strategies, adopt strategies, become aware of it and adopt the right strategies to stop this from happening. So there are some subtle signs that your body tells you because your body talks to you all the bloody time. We just have to learn to listen to it. And some of the subtle signs that you stress, um, so you might think anger and frustration as the only signs of stress. But these are only the result of emotional stress. And unfortunately, stress is the result of a multitude of things. So I think injuries, too much food, not enough food, illnesses, physical exhaustion, too much exercise, not enough exercise, the wrong type of exercise for you, sleep deprivation, and so on. So you could measure your stress levels by having regular blood tests, and, you know, if you want to be a walking, talking lab, lab rat, you're more than welcome. But you could also take the layperson approach and tune into your body to notice what the subtle signs that it sends you. And some of them are not actually that subtle, to be fair. And then, you know, if when you're experiencing these things, you think, aha, that's your red flag. I might be stressed. I might be experiencing stress that I'm not aware of. I thought I was doing okay, but this is happening, so I might be stressed. Let's have a look at it and see where and what I can change to make these signs go away, to address them. So, sleep. Sleep is a big one. It's huge. Because of the changes to your brain chemistry brought on by chronic stress, you might find that your sleeping patterns become disrupted. And if you experience anxiety and depression, you might well find yourself suffering from monkey brain. I promise you, when you have PTSD, this is exactly what happens. That's why it's so difficult to deal with it. You know when you're ruminating on thoughts about situations and interactions and you keep replaying them in your mind over and over again. That is stress. And this is where you get caught up in a vicious circle. Because it's, that's very difficult to get out of. So stress is causing you to stay awake. And staying awake is stressing your body further. And your mind as well. Because you keep thinking, why can I not go to sleep? So the hours that you spend asleep are the time when our body repairs itself. Resets the stress hormones and gets rid of the toxin 
accumulated as a result of, psych of physiological processes. And it's imperative that we aim at getting enough good quality sleep every single day, without fail. If this is a struggle for you, you need to try and establish a good pre-bedtime routine consisting of re relaxing activities like perhaps having a hot bath, reading a book, doing some yin yoga, that is the restorative version of yoga, or meditating even for a few minutes. And I'm sure there are millions of apps out there, there's always an app for everything that can help you calm down and go to sleep. And it's worth investigating it because what you get, what you gain from a good night's sleep, it's you know it's worth it's worth the investment a lot of the time. So the next thing that we already touched on is hunger and cravings. As we already discussed, as already mentioned, changes in your hunger and cravings are a sign that your body is under stress. So whenever your hunger diminishes, but then after a while you get these crazy cravings for like, you know, chips, crisps, pizza, burgers, biscuits, cakes, and all these things that are a combination of high-density carbohydrates, starches, and fats, you should see this as a big, it's a huge red flag and take immediately take corrective action. So the best thing to do is take some time out of your day and go for a long walk at a leisurely pace. It's as simple as that. And this will give your stress hormones a chance to settle down. So intense exercise can also be good. However, if you can't switch off the stress afterwards, don't do it because it's gonna only it's gonna make you worse because you're adding the stress of exercising to a body that's already under a lot of stress. So don't do it, don't do intense exercise if you're constantly 24-7 on alert. Wait until you that kind of subsides for a bit, just favor the leisurely walking. And by that I mean walking around the place, smelling the roses, looking at the flowers, look at, taking in the sceneries, taking selfies, filming your reels, your Instagram reels or your TikTok videos, just having fun, uh, borrow somebody's dog if you want to, they love you forever. And just take the time, literally, go for a walk, preferably in nature, because nature has a relaxing effect on our bodies and on our minds. So do that. And if you are at the point where you can barely control your craving, it's probably best to just walk. Because obviously, again, exercise will add stress to a metabolism that's already unbalanced. And you don't want to do that. You could also have some dark chocolate as a last resort because this has a positive effect on your brain chemistry, reducing cravings for high energy foods. And that's always a good a good thing to keep a, a, a bar of dark chocolate. And you want the really it doesn't have to be one of the fancy ones, even the super cheap bars of chocolate, as long as it's dark and it doesn't have any milk or, or anything like that, it's, uh, honestly, you just need a couple of squares, eat them slowly and you will see that uh, your hunger and, and your cravings will immediately stop and that's the magic of chocolate. And um, so the next thing we need to look at is your energy levels. 
And when your metabolism is balanced and not under stress, your energy levels will be fairly stable throughout the day. And they will enable you to get on with whatever tasks are on your agenda without giving you the peaks and troughs of, of energy that you know that you experience when your body is under stress. And that's another sign. So when that happens, you know there's something not right. Pay attention to your diet and make sure that your meals are well balanced and contain all the macronutrients, protein, fats, carbohydrates, both starchy and non-starchy, preferably if you're already going through the menopause, you may want to leave the starchy carbohydrates out a little bit more than if you're younger. And also fiber, make sure there is plenty of fiber in your meals because the fiber and the non-starchy carbs are the nutrients that will keep you feeling full for ages. Protein too, but the fiber more probably more so than the protein. Um, so be careful of fed diets that because they have a tendency to reduce one or more of the macronutrients drastically to cause um, massive fat loss in the short term. But um, and they, they won't give you any health benefits or fat loss benefits in the long term. So you've got to be careful of this. And then obviously, unless... Of course, if you if you need to lose fat for a specific event in the short term, then it's it's fine. But you have to decide, you have to balance things out a little bit. What's more important, the short-term gain, the short-term fat loss, or the long-term health and well-being factor? So be careful with those fat diets. They really come back to bite you in the arse after, after a while that you've been on them. Now, the, the other thing we need to look at are your mood and your motivation. So if you wake up in a strop every morning and you can't be bothered to get out of bed, you can be guaranteed you're stressed. Even if you think everything is ticketable in your life, you are stressed for one reason or another. Finding out what the reason is, is the job of a good therapist. And if you find yourself experiencing any of the things that I spoke about for it consistently, I would say go and see one because there might be something brewing in, in the background in your subconscious that you're not aware of that needs to be brought up back up into the your conscious mind, into your consciousness, consciousness sorry, and uh, so that you can deal with it. Um, so your again, your brain chemistry has been affected. If you're in a bad mood all the time, your brain chemistry has been affected and you need to co take corrective action or your life will suffer as a result. Think about your not just yourself and what, what it's like for you to always be in a bad mood and be unhappy about everything and what kind of decisions do you make when you're in that state of mind. Probably not the most enlightened ones. But just, and yes, to think about yourself but also think about those around you, your partner, your children, if you have some, your friends, your co-workers and, and you, your students, if you're in a coaching profession or if you're a teacher, all these people that are around you, they pick up on your mood and will all be affected by you not being at the top of your game. So, you know, think about yourself first, but think about them too. And again, the food that you eat will have a major impact on your brain chemistry. 
and when you hit the magic combination of nutrients that work for you and your metabolism you will find it hard not to be in a better mood and however doing making these changes and doing this initially will require a lot of willpower you have to be really really committed to yourself and to your own well-being to be able to make these changes and it's going to be incredibly hard if your life at the moment doesn't look anything like what it would look like if you took get great care of yourself and if you adapt to change your lifestyle to account for stressful events and um, some of us are more prone to stress than others so you either suffer and then shut up or do something that's going to change your situation but know and be prepared to struggle for a little bit of a struggle you will eventually get used to it and your body will protest if you don't live in a way that keeps stress at bay it's rather magical if you're not used to doing this kind of stuff the first time you experience it is absolutely magical you'll never forget that so a good strategy to get around this issue is well, there are different things you can do, but one is to spend more time socializing with friends who are naturally happy and positive. And let their enthusiasm be contagious and allow yourself to be uplifted by them. And, you know, you have to be very careful and only engage in conversations that will generate laughter and take you away from your gloomy thoughts. This is not the time to, you know, if you're miserable... It's not the time to find that kind of company, the company of people who are also miserable. You want to go the opposite way, make an effort and try to stick with people who are, you know, just naturally happy or perhaps are in a better place in life than you are. So let them be contagious. And it's almost as good as going on a holiday if you can't go on a holiday. And in fact, sometimes uh, the time that you spend with good friends is more healing and it's better than a holiday. And I guess, to a certain degree, the key word here is that trying to find a way to distract yourself. And by all means, if you can go away, go to a completely different place and have gone an adventure or something, it would be very beneficial for you. And so if you think you are experiencing any of these signs that point to red flags, that you might be stressed... If you, you know, the, the best thing to do is to go and find somebody, a professional who that you can talk to. And you can go on the BACP website and there are lots of fully qualified uh, counsellors or therapists that you can talk to. But to begin with, before you decide that is the kind of thing that you need, start keeping a diary and, and make notes of any signs of stress and what you can do to counter them. So if you journal, then you always have something that you can refer back to. It's very important when you do this exercise that you also make a note of what triggered, what happened when you started immediately before you started to experience any of those, of those signs of stress. Could it be that you received a bank statement and you were in the red? Or perhaps you didn't realize how much you spent on, on, uh, on your credit cards and suddenly that's giving you worries. Or maybe a comment that somebody made at work caused you to be stressed. Somebody rubbished your work, your contribution, and you didn't feel valued 
anything, whatever it was that triggered any of those behaviours, make a note. Because the next time you find yourself in that situation, you've got something, you are well aware, you can be prepared and make sure you kind of buffer, you have a buffer and you're not going to have suffered the effects quite so strongly. So, again, if you feel the adrenaline rising and you can sneak in an intense workout or, you know, something like that, or if you do martial arts like I do, just go have a good sparring session with someone, do it. But, obviously, again, if you are under chronic stress, don't. Just do some something calming instead. And if that is not possible to do the intense workout, just go for a walk, breathe, experiment with some breath work, draw, paint, sing, do all that kind of stuff. Something that you can do when you're driving and you cannot move. So breathing and singing, you can do at the wheel. Although be careful when you if you're singing along to <laughs> to to some some power singers because you get you get maybe become distracted. And why would I know that? Um anyway, you're gonna know what is good for you and I strongly encourage you to you know to borrow some of these ideas and try them out and do something that is gonna help you distress or at the very least keep the stress levels under control and your body will thank you for it and you know keep it i know they said i wouldn't really talk about fat loss as much but um this these are the reasons why uh, stress is detrimental to your fat loss efforts because it's gonna cause you to it's gonna cause your stress hormones to rise and if you don't switch them off, they will cause you to actually put on weight. As much as you try to do all the right things, they will cause you to put weight on. So if you are trying to lose weight and you can't, despite being 100% convinced you're doing all the right things, stress might be the reason, might well be the reason. So you need to investigate this. And resting and addressing stress is going to be the key to success. And even more so than exercising and eating all the right things whether these are just all the right things according to Instagram influencers or the right things for you the preferable way and this is all I've got for you today and I hope this is useful for you it's giving you some ideas and I say goodbye for now and I'll be back very soon thank you for listening